Hello and welcome to another episode of Pot of the Gaps, another year of Pot of the Gaps as we enter this new year 2023. This is the podcast which likes to plug the gaps between the church and the culture. Uh, my name is Aaron Edwards and I'm joined as ever by the bag end dwelling apologist, Andy Bannister, sitting in a shed in his garden. Hello. Hello. Well, this is no ordinary shed. This is my little wooden hobby house, but I'm, I'm very excited Aaron, because I have just finally, for the last seven months since I moved from Scotland, all of my books have been up in Scotland. We didn't bring them down. We weren't quite ready. We had to put the office in and build, I had to build the shelves. Mm. But we got them down. So I spent the last couple of days putting books back on shelves. And it feels like being reunited <laughs> with old friends. Any lover of books will tell you, you know, books are like, books are like old friends. That's and, true. Uh, so um, it's great pulling out boxes going, Ark, there's that one and that one. And now I have the big question of how I organize things. I you know, it's all chaotic at the minute. I have different topics jammed in other topics. So I have a whole choice now. Do I do it by colour? Do I do it by yeah. size? Alphabetically? A, well, and obviously you're going to profile the Andy Bannister books behind you in case you're on a Zoom call, which has got video, and then you can sort of sell your books as people like to do. You know, when you, you see people doing interviews, they just happen to place their own books in a very in the, interesting parts of their bookshelf. So facing forward, of course, not not spine first, cover first. It's funny. Also make it, yeah. God. I was going to say, I'd also make sure there's no, there's no inappropriate covers there because I was doing a, I was doing a video for a, a well-known Christian event that will remain nameless. They wanted me to do a promo for some stuff I was doing hmm. for them. So I did a little promo and I hadn't realized that over my shoulder, one of my kind of favorite authors is Terry Pratchett, who's a kind of fantasy, comic fantasy yeah. writer. And one of this, this particular book, cause it's, it's, it's fantasy. So it had, had a picture of a witch on the front. And um, I got this email back from this organization going, oh, we loved the video. It was brilliant. Uh, There's just one problem. There was this book over your shoulder and, and some of our constituency would find this um, <laughs> might find this difficult. Was there any chance you could redo it? I was like, oh, for goodness sake, it's not Alistair Crowley. It's, um, and you're saying, like, didn't, didn't you know I was into witchcraft? Didn't you know that's kind well, of no, a whole stick, you know? I was tempted to write and go, well, I've got one other th- can I just be clear? Is Lord of the Rings okay? Is Narnia <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay? Is a uh, you know how to uh, you know how to dispose of a body? Oh, sorry, that, that yeah. no, that's not really <laughs> there. That's is the book is the book of Acts okay? There's a lot of exorcism in there, and you know all sorts of stuff. So, uh, uh, funny enough, actually, when, when talking about books being surrounded by them, I remember I used, used to visit my wife's um, grandpa for many years in rural Norfolk, and uh, it was interesting. He was surrounded by books himself. He would live. He basically was live in his chair in the lounge surrounded by loads of old books he was an old teacher but he had a really interesting array so whenever we went to visit we'd, we'd pick a three or four off the shelf and kind of read them while we're there there's all sorts of interesting stuff and he called he'd refer to them as his great cloud of witnesses so it's almost like his companions that have been with him witnessing everything he's got oh, like he, and he just he just goes and returns to a book for a while or he'd ask us to read to him from some old book he had his old favorites and it was just really fun to see uh that, that's a, not a bad yes. way to go out you know surrounded by books i guess Exactly. I like that. Mm. So there you go. And there's, a whole, there's, there's a topic for another time. What book would you like to be buried with? We should maybe yeah. get, our, get our readers to, to, to send in their, their, our listeners to send in their answer to that. That would be kind of a macabre episode. But yeah, it would be an interesting one to I think I'd like to, explore. I think it's obvious for me. I'd like uh, how to escape from a coffin if you've accidentally been buried alive. <laughs> That's true. That uh, would be a perfect one. Yeah. Foreword by Andy Bannister, of course. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. By Paul Bearer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I, 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 yes. He, I, I, I was an old WWF fan. Paul Bearer was the Undertaker's assistant. Did you ever watch wrestling back in the day? No, no. Well, there's a, well, there's actually, a, there's a, there's a character called the Undertaker. 
And he had a, his guy, he's this very weird, creepy guy who had like ashes in an urn that would control the Undertaker when he was getting too angry. So anyway, and it was and, any, yeah, that was his name. Anyway, uh, we don't, I don't really That's have a, a I don't have a segue. I don't have a natural, come on, Andy, give us a segue. Uh, Give us something. Well, um, I'm, 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 oh gosh, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I guess um, you know, trying to make a, a, a pun out of that is quite a challenge. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, this episode, being the first of the year, I know we're over halfway through January because like events got ahead of us. Um, is a challenge. We're going to talk about yeah. challenges, aren't we, yeah. Aaron? Uh, How's that for a link? <laughs> It's the that's the smoothest link I think I've ever heard, and you've done some very smooth links. I have um, part of the gap, the home, part of the gap. That's right, and that one didn't even have a pun. So you've just literally just repeated the word challenge, and our episode is about challenge. So there's no pun. Um, so anyway, it was a challenging link, but we've, we've done it. We're here. We're here now. We're in, um, and the episode theme for this uh, this to kick off this year is going to be similar to those who are loyal supporters from last year. Well, remember, we did which an episode. Which is all of them. Which is all of them, and they all gave us loads of money every month. So thank you. And if you don't, that's very totally. surprising. You obviously aren't that loyal. Um, but we did an episode called The Six Challenges for the Church in 2022. So we thought, actually, let's kick off this year and see, review our challenges from last year and give the church six new challenges. Or maybe some of them will be the same or similar challenges yeah. when we do them. And, and as we did last time, um, this time last year we do a live reveal so andy and i do not know what we, each other has chosen for our no. our challenges i did wonder if it sounded a bit arrogant that we'd said these are the six challenges the church will face um yes. as if we definitely know for sure everything's going to happen that year no, but no, no. this is true this is that well the interesting thing is you said i i'd see you've, you've prepped properly you said you'd look back at last year. So be interesting very quickly. Yes. What were the what were the challenges we around this time last year that we said were the yeah. challenges? Yeah. So that's the thing because I could only remember. This is quite in- intriguing. So I could only remember one of mine and one of yours from memory. And so I thought I li- like, it's funny that I've forgotten two of them on each, which might mean that they were less uh, significant than we thought. I don't know. So so my first my first one was courage to speak out what we believe. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, f- that proved right, yeah. that that was that, needed. Yes, that's definitely true. Yours was, number one, was the problem of a lack of depth in thinking. Ooh, so yeah. thinking stuff through cultural analysis, theology, that kind yeah. of thing. So lack of lack of depth was the challenge. But well, that's been solved because that. because we have billions of people listen to... Exactly. Part of the gap. We've plugged that gap. There are we no more. We, we cover all of your depth. We are the deep divers for you. Uh, my second one was gender. I mean, that's not still a big issue, is it? We've sold all those last uh, year. I think. Yeah, I think we sold that. No one's worried about gender. Scotland is still a little bit worried about it, but yeah, I don't think there's any problems with gender. Um, <laughs> your one, your second one was on a similar theme, more specific, masculinity. Masculinity, which is interesting. And we, of that course, is, that's obviously yeah. gone away. No one's talking yeah, about no one's, that. That's old hat. No one cares, but men are fine now. Everyone's fine. Um, so that was, we did an episode of that, of course. Um, and we did a follow up episode on it. And I think it was our most listened to episode ever was the one uh, where we discussed a follow on from our masculinity episode. So those two were quite, uh, they hit a nerve, yeah. clearly. And that's been, you know, the Jordan Peterson video came out last year, which was encouraging men to come back to church. Right. So that whole thing was an interesting thing. And I think those those themes are certainly going to keep coming up. My third one was uh, what the church looks like, as in the kind of way uh, church functions day to day after COVID. Uh, small church, big church, online church. How will churches function? How will we actually yeah, um, make ourselves 
fit for the kind of challenges we're facing as, as the church in mission. The third one for you was technology, um, social media, mm. digital stuff, the effects of technology, that kind of thing. So I guess that must mean if we only remember, did you remember any of those off by heart? I only remembered one each. I think possibly a couple. If you if you if you'd asked me if you'd done a test and there was a prize, yeah, um, I might have put the effort into to, to remembering. To, but to, but to there remember. you go. Uh, yeah, exactly. But so yeah. So overall, would you say those are um, you know are still salient challenges? Are they the challenges? I think they are. That, and um, teasingly, at least possibly a couple of them might come up on my list for this year. Mm, we don't know. Interesting. So I don't exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. What could it so, be? So so shall we go? Shall we go for our? New set. So now, last year, I, um, I remember this last year, you went first last year, I yeah. thought. Yeah. Because I know you nicked one of mine. I had to hastily think of another while you were <laughs> blathering away. So, this year, I've come prepared. I've got six, actually. <laughs> so, that means if after I go, you nick my next two, okay. I, uh, I have yeah. backup. Excellent. Right. Are we ready? Yeah. Drum roll, please. <laughs> we, need a, no, we need to put a soundtrack down there. Don't yeah. We? Well, actually, it. it's actually one that turned up last year. Hmm. And it is the sexuality piece unsurprising okay lee because you know in some ways things have got better there have been some some i think culture the way that culture has shifted i think for example around the transgender piece watching actually mm. i think feminists and others who are not christian <clears throat> really fight that fight mm. has been interesting i think yeah. far more people are aware of what's going on but then at the same time we have the right raw mess that another denomination is making around sexuality so as we record this i think I think the Anglicans have just come mm. out and announced that they're going to try this very strange thing where they yeah. don't allow Anglican clergy to marry uh, same-sex people, yeah. uh, but they'll allow blessings of same-sex, yeah, yeah. which seems to me to be absolutely mm. bonkers. I don't, I mm. can't see how that circle can be squared. If if the thing is perfectly okay, and that's what you conclude theologically, then yeah. just go ahead and do it. And if it isn't, what are you mm. blessing it? Mm. Exactly. Well, it seems to be to be this... And I don't think that's and I don't think that's going to work. I think, I think neither side's going to be happy, and certainly, mm. particularly watching a lot of the the more liberal end of the discussion online in the last couple of days, there's a lot of anger. And I think people are going to try and, you know, sort of stir, you know, the, the pot, some of the usual suspects. So, yeah. point is, I think the church, and then the other piece in there as well, Aaron, why I think it's a big challenge for the church this year. You've got the whole conversion therapy, yeah, yeah, piece. Yeah. That I mean, potentially, I mean, Scotland is worse than. Than, than than England, but already, you know, thinking about our listeners further afield, you mm. look at parts of Australia mm. where potentially, you know, you could be criminalised merely for offering to pray mm. with mm. with somebody, not try and forcibly get them to change their view. If somebody comes to you who's struggling with sexuality, yeah. says, hey, would you pray with me? And if you do this wrong and someone reports you, yeah. um, you can end up in all kinds of uh, sticky areas. So I think mm. sexuality mm. in all of its forms, the whole LGBT rainbow flag mm. and the issues around mm. there um, and knowing how to navigate that. Yeah. Um, and also the other thing, by the way, just to expand that very quickly, navigating it in a way that doesn't alienate people. You know, mm. I've seen churches fight too far the other way. I think that if you lead on that issue, if you somehow give the impression that if you are someone who's not a Christian and you are LGB or T, you are not even welcome to come to the door of the church to check Jesus out. I've no, you know, there are, there are churches where there is blatant homophobia. And I think we need to name mm name that the whole fight or flight thing goes on mm -hmm. with christians mm -hmm. and culture they we mm -hmm. we're afraid and so we either have a tendency mm -hmm. of running away or we have a tendency mm -hmm. to lash out yeah and so not handling that issue well that's mm -hmm. the big challenge that's really really good um let me let me just read a couple of things and i'll get on to my one but i was interested yeah. um let me let me just ask you a question on your last point there <clears throat> because 
I think whenever we talk about sexuality, we feel the need to do the whole, oh, we're so sorry about homophobia thing. Uh-huh. And though you may have seen, because you lived in Scotland, I lived in Scotland, and I, I, I guess there are some more conservative hardline churches uh, there, but I, I never saw homophobia. And I don't think we should ever apologize for things we haven't actually done. I think it opens up things. So I think there probably are or were churches. I, I would actually probably caution not going down that route because <laughs> I don't mean not going down the home. Of course, you don't go down the homophobia route. <clears throat> but what I mean is I've seen too many sermons on it, which just spend most of the time apologizing for homophobia, which isn't they, I just don't even think they even believe that they feel like they need to do that in order to make space yeah. for critiquing. And I just think, how many homophobic think- churches, how many have you seen, actually? Like, really? Like, are there many? Oh, about 17. Um, <laughs> no. But let me just push back on the yeah. pushback. Yeah, push back I, on I, the pushback. That's good. I, I would say I actually completely agree with you. And I hope, unless I mess it up because it's late and I phrased it wrong, <laughs> I didn't apologise. I didn't say we should say sorry. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, to make sure that there's not any... Sure. Any, and I think... And I, and, and I think... For me, it's not so much the, the outright homophobia, you know, churches that go out, you know, the, I mean, you know, the Westboro Baptist, God hates fags. Yeah. So I think it's more that, you know, thinking about one particular friend yeah. I, I've had who's who's wrestled with, with gender dysphoria. And, and I think just some things that have been said that are not homophobic, but are profoundly unhelpful, yeah. that I think led them to sort of feel, well, unless I get this issue resolved, I'm not, mm. I'm somehow not welcome. Yeah. And trying to find ways to go no you are you are mm. and it's not mm. and that it's that piece it's making sure mm. that people who are on the journey yeah feel welcome sure. um kind of thing and i you know our old mm. friend david bennett who we've talked about on this yeah. show before you know david's line i've always i've always liked which is you know homosexuality you know is not an evangelism it shouldn't be an evangelism issue it should be a discipleship issue uh, mm. in one sense that mm. it's the thing that once you start following christ then the implication mm. Mm. comes yeah. and just making yeah. sure we put it in the right place i think there are still yeah. churches that are tempted to lead with moralism mm-hmm. um that's how it comes out not the sure. perhaps, perhaps the homophobia was the wrong word yeah making sure we don't appear to be leading moralistically sure yeah, yeah um, no, that, that makes that's how that's how clarification. i'm not being afraid and again yeah. jesus right jesus yeah. never compromised morally yeah but he radically <laughs> welcomed yeah. people he managed to be both deeply attractive mm-hmm. to people who were sinners and and so forth, but he mm. didn't compromise morally. And, mm. and and sometimes in the church, it feels like we fall on either side of that. You get half of the church running around compromising morally and going, you mm. know what you want? It's all right. And the other half going around going, yeah, well, we're just not going to welcome you. Mm-hmm. Um, am, am I, am I, yeah. And the content of my pushback is really, I don't think it's half and half. I think it's like 95% are, go, are <laughs> on the other side of it. And 5% are, I just hardly meet any of these froth mouths. So, I, uh, I, homophobes so, I, so yeah. I agree with you, actually. So mm. maybe, maybe maybe homophobia wasn't the right word, but even I'd even go slightly further as the evangelist. Stuff that mm. stuff that could be perceived as homophobia yeah, that doesn't sure. change anything doctrinally. We yeah. could just be perhaps a bit more helpful in the way that we mm. yeah. phrase. Sure, and there are people. You know, I, I said um, I'm I, chatting with Andrew Bunt last year, who, who released a book yes, on I, know, I think I trans, and he was saying to me he grew up in a New Frontiers church like I did. And I said, what was it like for you? I asked him this question. Did you experience homophobia? Because I think, I don't know if I think I would have observed that. He said, well, from my perspective, no, I didn't experience homophobia. But one thing I did say is no one ever factored in what it was like to be same-sex attracted and an actual evangelical Christian. So he said when he was at seminars, youth seminars, talking about sexual temptation, there was never a thought that there would be a guy there whose temptation would be 
liking other guys. And that just didn't even come in. And then whenever they referred to homosexuality, it was like the problem out there in the world. Non-Christians are the gay people. Um, and we want to reach them with the gospel, um, but that, that's what we've got to reach them. There was never a thought that you could struggle with that. that he said that wasn't even voiced. And I, think, I guess that, that kind of thing, yeah, being open to like, yes. right, okay, there are people here we need to factor in who have different experiences. And actually, yeah. we've got to press on to the next one, but just yeah. very quickly, that would mean included in my, my <clears throat> broad category there of sexuality, Aaron, I'd include singleness because the same thing. I think, you know, I have seen, I have friends, you know, who are long-term single. Mm. It's a, you know, the way that churches sometimes, you know, marriage is idealized in many, mm. many churches. Mm. Um, you know, churches don't think through how to perhaps include single people mm. sometimes the way they could. Or again, when you're preaching stuff through, yeah, if you're going to do a sermon on marriage, brilliant, that's fine. Yeah. Do one on singleness and, and what that yeah. means and the challenges and and support one another, you know, carry one another's burdens as Galatians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a, that's why I went for sexuality. It's a massive bucket. Yeah, no, and, 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 and so on. Yeah, yeah, and, and and very, as you said, very relevant to today. Sorry for the we're almost getting into like a little viva there. You're quite <laughs> questioning no, no, each other, but you, you can feel free so, to do the same. So anyway, you, you do the so same number twice. One, so, number sexuality. one, sexuality. Number two, your turn. So Go number one is Andy Bannister's sexuality. Uh, number number one for me. So last year's was courage to speak out what we believe. This year, my number one is courage to believe what we believe. Okay. Um, so I, I think oh, I, it's it's not like last year's aren't all entirely relevant anyway. But I think some of those, yes, there are Christians who believe something and don't have the courage to speak it out. I think that's still an issue. But I've actually increasingly realized sometimes well, belief itself takes faith or faith takes faith to actually really go to town and go i keep meeting people and when there's a challenging issue it's not the problem isn't always that they believe it but wouldn't say it on twitter or facebook or in a public forum Hmm. um the issue is that they they now increasingly are vague on some of these issues oh i don't really know what i think about that it's like oh that's interesting that you don't really know what you think about the issue that that's being pressed upon the church at this time um and so yeah, I think we do need courage to have conviction because we sometimes get made to feel bad. A little bit like what I was saying in, in my pushback there, to say you, you could almost think, oh, I, I would. It would be terrible if I oppose same-sex marriage. Like some people, some, there are some Christians for whom it's a real wrestle for them because they think they've been made to feel like they're homophobic or they've been made to feel like they must not like people very much or must not love them and not want them to flourish because they want to hold on to this view. So actually, it's saying right, rather than going, I'm going to spend my time apologising everything around the view i'm going to have a real conviction that actually believe this is what god thinks is good Mm. this is god's wisdom and i i would say that relates this is me cheating really when i say that because i could probably talk about several things uh, that i think christians struggle with in terms of not not really having the courage to believe what we believe and so sexuality would come into that male female distinctiveness would come into that family parenting discipline there are so many issues where oh i'm not quite sure what i think about that it's not that I don't want to speak about it. It's I don't even know what I think about it. And so actually kind of just going back to scripture and going, wow, when, when it comes, when it jumps out at you on the page, when, when you get a passage and you go, whoa, that is totally out of sync with what I hear in sermons or what I hear in small group or what I hear on social media, what I'm supposed to believe, go with scripture or at least go down that road. You know, you might accidentally pick out a passage, read it out of context or read it in a way that truncates it or something. But but I would just say we Christians need to be open to what the scripture actually says. What have Christians believed throughout the centuries? And be more skeptical of your own time than you are of every other generation that's come earlier. Because you're being bombarded all the time um, by ideology which tells you everyone in the past 
was crazy or terrible or racist or sexist. And so basically, you can only really trust us. And you kind of think, hmm, is that right? <laughs> can I only trust people from the last 50 years? Or maybe should I be trusting yeah. the people who've actually built civilization, the civilization we're standing yeah. on, um, that we're now tearing down? So that would be well, my, the funny my thing first is on that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to push back on you. It just reminded me, it was funny, I was having a, a sort of um, conversation, a bit of dialogue on social media this morning with somebody who was, you know, quite cross about, you know, the Anglican fudge on sexuality because they're more progressive. And uh, they made this sort of comment about, you know, yes, you know, the Bible may say one thing and, and Christians mm. may believe one thing in the past, but that was harmful. You know, we know much better mm. now, so we need, to, mm. we, need to, we, need to, we need to do better. And I just cheekily said, the only danger with what you've said there is you've destroyed all ethics because hmm. what you've said is we know better now than in the past. Yes. Well, 50 years, 100 years, they'll know better than you. So everything hmm. that you think ethically is quite probably wrong hmm. um, as those poor sh yeah. schmucks were in the past. Yes. So, yes. so you don't look on the wrong side of history. The best thing is to believe nothing and say nothing. Otherwise, hmm. it looks desperately like you're privileging your own time hmm. period hmm. and saying, I, not hmm. know, I, don't, I don't just know better than the past yeah. but the future yeah. will yeah. obviously look to me and go i am amazing yeah it's so, incredible isn't it yeah so yeah, yeah it's like I, 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 I disagree with you i, I certainly yeah. i agree i agree with you i think yeah. you're right yeah. it's more confidence mm. yeah absolutely mm. brilliant absolutely. well that was nice and easy nothing to yeah, disagree yeah. with there no okay <laughs> so the, the next one i've come up with is sort of not unrelated to what you said there and not unrelated to i think one of the ones last year and i've put down the challenge of being relevant to the questions Mm. And, you know, as someone who the majority of my job is an evangelist, an apologist, is answering people's questions. You know, I love doing that. I love working with churches and universities and folks across the, the country on outreach events and so forth. And one thing I've noticed is it's interesting that sometimes you'll get asked to speak. I'll get asked to speak on a topic and I'm like, hmm, is that really what people are asking? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. um, is really, you know, I'm doing a series of events for um, for a, for a group. I'll be very careful not to out to them in any way um, in, in a few weeks' time. And it's a series of talks across a few days. And the first thing they've asked me to speak to do is, is the Bible reliable? And I'm looking at that going, okay, I'll happily do that. I'll do whatever you want. But I'm not totally convinced that is the primary question mm. that the audience are asking. Sometimes as Christians, I think we run a risk of trying to answer the questions of yesteryear. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. they're the questions that interest us. So you you know you could buy any one yeah. of a hundred apologetics books that will have chapters on does God exist? Has science buried God? Yeah. Is the Bible reliable? Now mm. it's good to know those things, and it's good to encourage you in your faith. But probably, and actually, the Evangelical Alliance have just done a really big survey. I don't know if you've seen the Talking Jesus survey yeah. that's yeah. report this really interesting section there in the middle on what are the big questions that people are identifying with. Yeah. And the big ones are things like identity and mm. purpose. The number one, one of the top questions that people were intrigued by was interesting was, will it all work out okay? I think, you know, people are looking at yeah. the environment crisis yeah. and Ukraine and financial <clears throat> tender. So I think the challenge for Christians is to, we don't change what we believe, as you mm. just rightly reminded us, but we do need to listen to the yeah. questions that are being asked and show how the gospel connects. Mm. And I think yeah. that's the big challenge. It's very easy to think we know what the, mm. the questions are. And, and similarly on sexuality, sexuality is a big thing, but yeah. there are other questions out there. Sure. We, can, we can say, oh, we're relevant because we're talking about mm. transgender. Mm. Well, actually, what about the mm. environment? Or what about you yeah. know, artificial intelligence? Or what about you know transhumanism? Or what yeah. about whatever the issues are? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, making sure we are relevant yeah. and, and listening and showing how the gospel answers 
the questions They're right here and now, which asked. he does. We don't need to be afraid yeah. of that. It, yeah. Jesus is the yeah. answer to mm. to every question. Mm. It's, Sometimes it's a, we that's, need to listen to the questions. It's a really good. That's really good uh, stuff. And, and you'll be aware, as I've been, uh, of speaking at various sort of student evangelistic events over the years on exactly the, the issue you say, where, where, where it's like a like a CU lunch bar, which puts on the same three talks they've done for the last seventeen years. And, and it's only Christians who go there to get the kind of rubbish Asda, Asda crisps and homemade sandwiches, and, and as if it's a free lunch. It's really exciting. It's like, well, firstly, like put on some lunch that's actually like worth coming for, and some, and then I'm sure the speakers are good, but actually the questions really need to be there. I remember when when we were, I was on the CU committee years ago, and we tried to kind of mix it up a bit and really put out quite controversial things. So I remember one time we put something. We, someone said, "Why don't we do a talk about grace?" And I was like, "Okay." I just don't think the average non-Christian is going like, "What is grace?" Like, I want to hear about grace. I'm going to come yeah. to. Yes. But I said, "Why didn't we? Why didn't we put something on the flyer that says forgive paedophiles?" Um, and that will probably at least get people to come. And so we they let they let me and my my partner in crime design the flyers. We we did oh, that. Wow. We put them all around campus. Forgive paedophiles. Come to the CU event, and um, it was absolutely packed. Like the city, the SU, there was no those standing room only. And I'd never seen that at a kind of guerrilla Christian kind of event. And they were, that was the first question: why should why should we forgive pedophiles? And we've got to explain. Well, we, depends. But here's here's what we're going. It was our it was our way into the gospel because we we're yeah. touching on an issue that they cared about. Now, then, it caused controversy. Loads of Christians in the CU complained, and then all of those flyers got revoked. And for the next lunch bar, uh, that later in the week or something, they 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 went back to the boring like, does God allow? Why does God allow suffering? Thing, and you got like, like three people. Yeah, it was the same. I was like, literally, this is the problem. Like, you can't just exactly what you're saying. You can't just think you know the Christian expert way of reaching people. Go and actually talk to non-Christians. Like, I lived with non-Christians and spent a lot of time with them playing the football teams. You you need to actually talk to people and understand what their questions are, rather than assuming. So yeah, yeah so absolutely really no, good one. That's close. Yeah, and that's close to my heart because I had a I had a I spent the morning with a with a with a good friend of mine who I who he and I are writing a book. Uh, hopefully this year and, and, and next year. We're, the task we've, we've given ourselves is, yeah, you know, how do we write a book that does exactly this, that starts with the actual issues that our non-Christian friends are talking about, does it in a way that's funny and engaging and winter, because most Christian books are not read by non-Christians and we mm. want to mm. we want to solve that. He's a, mm. he's a, he's a full-time comedian, so, mm. um, and, uh, and I'm an evangelist, so we're going to... But it's really interesting. It was really interesting sitting down mm. and being quite honest mm. about going, yeah. you know, what are the problems with Christian yeah. books? I mean, they're yeah. great. There's lots of great Christian books, but they're not, they're not enraged that order. So, yeah, relevance. And the same yeah. goes for preaching. Absolutely. I think about churches were known mm. as places that actually enge- engage with the questions yeah. that people are asking. It would give Christians confidence. My word, the pastor is not afraid of talking about yeah. you know, pornography or the war in Ukraine or the financial ter- and showing how the Bible is relevant to those issues. You're then going to feel much more confident inviting your friends to church mm. and going, "Hey, we got a sermon. We got a sermon on Sunday on should we forgive paedophiles? Mm. Um, at the very mm. least, it's not going to be boring, right? You, mm. you you mentioned that across the water cooler on Monday morning. Mm. People are not going to go, "Oh, how boring!" They go, "What? Mm. Are you mad? What yeah, pass us away." Absolutely. So, yeah, anyway, relevance. Th- though I would put you up on pull you up on saying, "Do people really talk at water coolers anymore? Isn't that like a nineties or, or two? Or is that a noughties thing to say?" We have a water cooler in the Solas office. That's because Solas is stuck in the nineties. Clearly, do people actually stand around? But do they stand at water coolers like chatting, like chewing the cud or whatever the phrase? Okay, they stand at the coffee machine. There we go, something like that. Yeah. The last, yeah. The last Socks, time I clearly. worked in a secular office, which was six months ago, because oh, we were fair enough. A, I was renting a little <laughs> space in a kind of 
a you know in a sort of shared office environment in Swindon, and we had a kind of common coffee area. So it was by the coffee machine while waiting for your americano to. Please donate to Solas and let them buy a coffee machine. Then Andy can have a, a coffee. Right, no, anyway. that's good. Right, right, so that's your second. Good that's one. Really, got really good one. We can do this. We can do this. Go on. Right. Speed it up. Number two. Number second. number two for me. Do a number is two. evangelical feminism. Evangelical. Oh I can see your. I'm gonna hide. I can. I can <laughs> There's nowhere to hide, Andy. Yeah, I can hear the airstrikes coming. Oh, he's gone for it. I thought he'd get through a show without Aaron being controversial. Okay, evangelical Why not? feminism. Evangelical feminism. He said it. He said it. I it didn't wasn't Andy. It. it wasn't Andy. Please it wasn't Andy. don't write. It wasn't Michael. It was. Um. He's not here anymore. <laughs> Uh, oh, no mercy! Dig. Yes, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig all my way out to the other side. I'm gonna dig to Australia and back with this one. So, evangelical feminism. I just think we tolerate. We've to- basically feminism. Uh, it was a movement which is a societal movement which occurred. You could argue origins in the 18th century, most prominently in the 19th, and then really went to town in the 20th, and is still ongoing in the 21st century. It's a modern movement. And that's not insignificant um, because um, it re- relies upon modern ways of life in order to perpetuate itself. It kind of is obviously it's trying to um, right the wrongs of misogyny and chauvinism in the world, which is a good thing. It's trying to uh, give women a voice, which is a good thing, where it's denied. Um, clearly, it's gone too far, I would say. Uh, but not only that, it brought in so many horrendous things, like so many horrendous things for women as well as for men in the culture. And we're still dealing with the offshoots of that, but men are always the ones who get blamed for the problem. So you can't, if you, if you look at the, the problems of the plight of women, feminism would never be a problem. It would never be seen as there's something wrong with, with some elements of feminism or one of the, one of the waves of feminism, perhaps. Um, it would always be, no, if, if the women aren't happy now, it's because men are still trying to control them. Men are still in control. Men have too much power. Men are always favoured, etc. And I just think we need to look more at the root of that of that problem and uh, what really came in off the back of some of those very good ideals which came in with feminism mm. um we've let a lot through the door and the, and the thing the reason i say evangelical feminism i mean those who claim to be bible believing and basically just overlook all of the passages which are embarrassing which are totally unfeminist totally incompatible with feminism and the bible goes there a lot um, i'm doing a lecture just tomorrow morning actually on masculinity and femininity in the bible and I have to spend half the lecture trigger warning and talking about the cultural issues, which will stop someone even approaching these texts and going, this might be true. There might be something in this. I don't quite know what. Maybe people have misapplied these in the past. Maybe they've hit people over the head with these texts. And we need to be wary of that. We need to make sure that uh, women are given a voice and women are valued and honored um, as image bearers, etc. But we mustn't just pretend those things aren't there and that god doesn't care about them because if if for someone who doesn't seem to care about them that much he seemed to speak about them a lot um they come up a lot in the new testament and the old and so i think evangelical feminism is almost to, to say there's like we really care about the bible we really care about being biblically authoritative and we love the gospel it's great just don't talk about um the gender stuff um and i just think that only lasts for so long and it'll come back to bite you in the end so evangelical feminism is a challenge we have to deal with and people have to be honest and brave and loving and kind and and really help people who are kind of uh, you know in the net of it and and can't even see beyond it and just spend time it'll take patience but it also will take a lot of courage to even go there so I, i would really encourage people to think the church to think about that 
And I think the one thing I would I would say, be very careful, so that if the bot, you know, if the uh, if uh, <laughs> if the airstrike comes, they, you know I, mean? um, I think what's interesting is that you know one thing that postmodernity has helpfully taught us in theology is for all of us to try and take a, a look at the frame that we're looking through. That's a good thing mm. to go. Okay, mm. this is my starting point. Mm. These are my assumptions. Doesn't mean I throw them out, but I recognise. Mm-hmm. Them. And so when I do theology, yeah, I'm doing it as, a, as you know, as a as a as a, as a white uh, as a white Western male. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's so that may shape my questions. But it does seem to me that when it comes to perhaps to feminism, there's not a willingness to look at that frame and go mm. that is a cultural frame, mm. and mm. it shapes your approach if you're within that to the text. Mm. And that's not at that point to be pejorative. It's really good. that's mm. the frame. So mm. maybe you just need to be aware that will shape. Hmm. the questions hmm. um, but it does seem that's one of the things that's almost off limits that we can yeah. think about it in terms of race if we're feeling edgy we mm-hmm. can think about it in terms mm-hmm. of masculinity or hmm. you know our cultural kind of context but the moment as you say you try and go okay we're coming at this with a perhaps a feminist lens let's hmm. at least recognize that um yeah. that does sometimes feel that that's off hmm. that's off off limits and i would like hmm. to see at least perhaps perhaps for me but i'd be a bit slightly gentler than, 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 not gentle not saying you're not being gentle I I'm think not, I wouldn't I'm go not. quite as far as, <laughs> as you've gone, but I would go at the very least, perhaps a bit more self awareness. Mm. Um and that's important for all of us, as I say. And so that's that's and mm. and I would and I'd like to think if someone said to me, Well, Andy, you're missing the fact that as you come at these questions, you're you're not being aware of X, I'd like to go, Well, I wouldn't shut that down. I'd say, Okay, well help me see that because yeah. I think the more we can be aware of where we start from, mm. the more it can be helpful. Anyway, I think yeah, that's great. Yeah, good. good okay, so, so you're, you're number three. Left. Yeah, your turn. turn. Number, number three. Okay, so make it a good one. So brilliant. Okay, I would say this was one that, that we weren't we weren't any, anywhere on the radar with kind of last last year, but it was a challenge this last year, but it's definitely a growing challenge this year, and that's um, Islam. Oh, I would yeah. Put onto there mm. of going, um, you know, the last recent UK census data showed the growing number of Muslims. Here, the Muslim population is growing, and it's predicted yeah. by the by the Pew Forum, who track these things quite accurately, that we could have 15 million Muslims here by 2050. Wow. I was talking to, I met at a, a conference the other day, a youth worker who's uh, who's doing kind of youth ministry in in, uh, in a city uh, just on the outskirts of London, and he just happened to mention, he wasn't being controversial, just in passing, I was chatting about his context. He went, yeah, one of our challenges is that 27% of the young people I work with are Muslim. Mm. It's like, whoa. Mm. And he went, yeah, the organization I work for provides no training mm. on, on, on Islam. I've had to mm. be totally self kind of taught. And I, and I thought, yeah, you know what? I keep coming back to this as someone who's passionate about this subject. How off, how many churches are teaching their congregations how to engage with their Muslim friends? But if you're in a city church, there will be Muslims in your community. Many Christians will have Muslim friends at work, Muslim Muslims at the school gate. And God is working among Muslims. It's hugely exciting. Muslims do come to faith. In mm. Christ, I've had many friends over mm. the years who are former Muslims, but most Christians are ignorant. The church is ignorant. Mm. I mean, the fact that the biggest thing that the Anglican Church, the state church, wants to bang on about is sexuality, when the biggest issue is not sexuality, mm. the biggest mm. issue mm. is Islam mm. and uh, and how we reach mm. and how we engage with uh, you know confidently and winsomely mm. this growing community here yet mm. the church seems interested in talking to us off so islam mm. is the big challenge oh and by the way you know you're someone at a bible college you'll be aware of how many bible colleges are churning out students you know i think islamic studies should be compulsory for every theological student mm. in the uk you need to understand your context yeah and that's the missiological context yeah absolutely I mean, 
I keep yeah. I meet student after student, minister, you know, new minister after new minister, nothing, zip, mm. zero, mm. nada. Mm. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, well, thanks for the opportunity of a free plug for the MA course that I put together at Cliff College. That yes, you which are, I have and, taught you know, on. Yes, that exactly. you're the main teacher on. So Mission and Islamic Context, we're running it in 2025, I think. No, 2024. 2024. Yeah, next. don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Next year. Next year we're going to write. So yeah, year. yeah. Come and, so come and hear Andy lecturing on MA level and it'll be great. Yeah, a week, it's a week long, isn't it? Yeah, it's a inter- week intensive. Yeah. And that was really good. Everyone really valued that. It was a great thing. But yeah, we didn't have much take up because people aren't, the church isn't really thinking about it, even though we've got cities across the UK, for example, where there's just Muslim communities there that churches have no idea how to reach. So they've probably just gone, right, they've got their walls up, so let's just leave ours up and we'll, we'll just leave them to themselves. Yeah, well, I've got a friend a who's a pastor. In, yeah, I've got an old, school, an old school friend of mine who is pastor of a church in Tower Hamlet. So, I mean, you know, I remember the Gagan speaking for him last year. And just, I mean, even I, I was prepared, but even I was, mm. my mind was boggled to how mm. Islamic mm. his community is. Every shop site yeah. is in is in Arabic, Islam is the big challenge, and, and, yeah. and, and great. I mean, Tony is positive and confident. They've got great stuff happening. But again, yeah. he was like, I had to, he said, when I became here, I had to do a crash course mm. in reaching mm. this community. Nothing That's has prepared right. me. That's crazy. For it. so, you know, East London, Bradford, you know, the list goes on and on. And on. So yeah, Islam. Yeah. So great there one. we are. So now we are down to our last few minutes. Last one. And uh, the chat. Down to you, my friend. Yeah, last one. Okay, drum roll for the very final one. And actually, it links quite nicely. I think the Holy Spirit's clearly linking these together quite nicely for us. So I would say preaching to the right, okay? In fact, I changed that while we've been talking. You mentioned preaching earlier. I said reaching the right, but I think preaching to the right. Yes. Preaching to the right. By that, I mean, that links into... Politically, is that what you mean? Capital R, right. Yeah, so preaching to the... Theological slash political right, and I would include Muslims within that because I've had I've had discussions with Muslims who we're on the same page about woke stuff, and who yes. would have thought that a great way a kind of point of common ground with a Muslim would be that you both actually care about God's you know God having boundaries, God caring about things. You know, there's that famous thing with Andrew Tate, the kind of masculine influencer, yes. toxic He's guy. He converted to Islam as well. Yeah, he converted to Islam because he said the God of Islam has boundaries and red lines and cares about stuff, whereas the God of Christianity seems to not really care about anything and you can get away with murder. And so though there's the misunderstandings and literally it's not that you can get away with murder, but God can forgive murder in it. And, you know, I think there's, there's, there's clearly a sense in which people we've misrepresented Christianity by, by, by showing a God who doesn't seem to care much. who's perpetually happy with everyone. Um, super inclusive, like, like many of those who are arguing for same sex marriage, who think that we can just make everyone welcome in every sense. And you never can, you won't make everyone welcome. You're not going to make a Muslim feel welcome when you have a, a rainbow flag up there. Muslim is not good. You're not going to reach Muslims if you go pro same sex marriage. So that's interesting. They don't seem to care about reaching Muslims. Those who, um, are preaching that so-called inclusive message. It's very, very yeah. exclusive. So I would say preaching to the right, both politically, socially, in other religions, and of course, those people I've mentioned a few times, maybe, <clears throat> who are just people in Western culture who are seeing the problems um, and who are actually reaching out to Christianity. And they're not going to the kind of HTB style, happy-go-lucky, um, let me come right down to your level. Jesus is your friend and cuddly toy. And that's a bit mean of HTB. Of course, I don't disparage to be they're doing lots of great stuff i just mean those kind of you know those churches where everyone's young and hip and happy and everything looks really smooth and god doesn't seem particularly challenging um 
And I think there are many people who want a bit more bite and they want to see the edginess of God. <laughs> and I think God is very edgy, as it were, compared to our very mushy culture. So I think um, we need to recover. So going back to what I said with my first one in terms mm. of courage of what we believe, find that if you read through the Bible with an open, open ears and open eyes, you will see things that are very, very different. A God who is very different to us who does not just do things along the way, along our lines. He does what he wants, and he's, he's a good God, and he's a wonderful worship uh, God who's worthy of worship and a loving, kind, beautiful God, but he is one who really means what he says, and he's willing to you know, act upon his convictions and uh, yes. calls us to do the same. So we need to be those, those people on the right tend to like those kind of truths and foundations. They may have other problems for sure. There are many people on the right who dangerously go too far in all sorts of ways, but the people, many evangelicals don't even think about reaching them. They don't even consider them. They're too worried about placating the wolves on the left, thinking that if I just show myself a little bit more inclusive and nice, everything will be fine. And you're missing out on a wonderful harvest. So think about how you might reach the people to your right, not just your left i think there's a, oh gosh there's, there's a whole episode in there because i think that's happening mm. in culture i think politics has increasingly played that game because those on the left tend to be quite good at you know if you don't agree with them of making you feel guilty of going well you don't really love people and, and stuff and mm. the christians obviously we respond to to that so therefore we tend to lean that way and you're absolutely mm. right i think when the gospel when it's preached well there should be things on the left that are affirmed there are things mm. on the right on the left that are critiqued Mm. And there should be things on the right that are affirmed, things on the right that are critiqued. Mm. And your point there just reminded me, I've just over Christmas got given a copy of Tim Keller's new book on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And one of the chapters, I think it's one of the other chapters, one of the sections in the chapters, it's a lovely title, it's called The God of Love and Fury. Mm. And it really is a brilliant exposition. He leans a lot on Stott, John Stott mm-hmm. of the Cross of Christ, but just brings those two things together. You take biblical God seriously. He is a God of wrath and judgment and, and fury. He's a holy mm. God. And actually, you're in the Old Testament, the Psalms and things don't see that as a thing to be like depressed about. That's a thing to rejoice mm. about. Yes, you tremble the fear of the Lord, mm. but there's also that's thrilling because there we know that good will win out mm-hmm. because God is that God who is just. But if that was all there was, that'd be bad news. But He's also mm-hmm. a God of mm. of love, mm. demonstrated in, mm. in Christ and the cross. All of those things. Mm. I love that phrase, the God of love and mm. love and fury. And too often mm. we only speak about the love part. Yeah, but if you're dealing with yes, yeah, someone who's you know, city's been bombed in Ukraine who's, mm. you know, mm. experienced rape or murder or injustice mm. or some horror. Actually, the fact that there's a God of fury mm. who is righteously angry about that mm. and will see that justice mm. is done. And if there's forgiveness, it will only be through the blood of the cross. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you're right. We forget that message. And the other thing I'd say in, in affirming what you've said there, I I keep looking at the old Jordan Peterson phenomena. Mm. Just seeing it so fascinating. Again, mm. that's not to hold a candle for him. He's got some things he's great. I think he's he's, mm-hmm. he's on the money. There's some things he's badass crazy. Mm-hmm. But he speaks this whole tribe, millions and millions and millions. And mm. I think you know this whole relevance thing again. Mm. Figuring out what is he, what is mm. it that people is drawing people, especially mm. young guys who are desperately looking for something. Mm. And I think for the church to go, okay, again, we don't just affirm willy nilly, but going. Mm. What is what's good there? What's right? What's he got his finger on? And how do we show how the gospel actually answers what people are looking for? Mm, oh, yeah, I like that. Good stuff. Well, good stuff. there we go. So that's our that's our six uh, listeners. I hope I hope you feel challenged by them. And, and you know, we, we've told you we've told you what the what the entire church has to has to do for the next year. You've got your marching orders. Let me just go through them all in order again. We had order, yeah. um, so we had Andy's first one, which was sexuality. And then we had mine, the courage to believe what we believe. Andy's second one, which was, I've forgotten already. <laughs> what was it? My second one was relevance. Relevance. 
my second one was evangelical feminism. Your third one was Islam. And my third one was preaching to the right. So, you know, that's enough to be getting on with. Let us know what you think. I'm sure you've got your own things that you think the church should be worried about. There are probably many, many more. There certainly are many, many more that we won't have discussed. But those are the ones that seem striking to us at this point. So maybe if we're still alive next year, if we haven't been airstriked by feminists or by Russians uh, before then, by Muslims. We'll, we'll, yeah, or by Muslims, then we will, of course, uh, love to kind of pick these up next year and see 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 how the world has moved on or the church has moved on. But um, and as Aaron says, by the way, I would just say as well, Aaron, if if people have things that we've missed, let us know in the in the comments. Mm. You know, if you've come across, you know, go to go to the Pod of the Gaps page on on Facebook or the Pod of the Gaps feed on mm. on Twitter, and um, because we may have missed. Things you know, Absolutely. you may or or, 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 or I mean seven, eight, or nine things. We'd love mm. to hear from you. So, yeah. um and we may have a website soon. Well, we will have a website soon, well, so we can so. direct you to that soon. So, yeah. So, I hope you found this helpful. I've been Aaron Edwards. That's been Andy Bellister. I've been Aaron Edwards. That's been Andy Bellister interrupting on the segue. No, no. no. You, yeah. And this has been part of the gaps. And we hope you have enjoyed it. And we hope we will see you again soon. Bye, bye. bye for now.